Well, welcome to episode two of the From Busy to Rich podcast with Wes Young. Now that we know change is possible and we understand that we have to build a bridge between who we are and where we want to be, what are the practical steps to implementing this new mindset? Well, let's find out right now through today's conversation. Justin and Wes, welcome. How are you today? Wonderful. Good to be here. Doing dandy. Great. Thank you for being here, gentlemen. Uh, Wes, we're going to start with you. Just give us a quick recap of uh, what, I, what I believe is a different way of thinking about how, to, how we change ourselves. How do we implement change in our life? Yeah, you, you bet. Annie. It's, it really comes down to the, the two words, normal and new, right? It's that all of us have a normal. We have a current way we go about making progress in life that's even somewhat muscle memory, habitual, that, uh, that we can assess and we can define. And then all of us can have a new, which is a future different way of moving through life and making progress. And the big idea that we, we unpacked last week uh, was really our greatest opportunities to recognize our future possibilities is not about abandoning your normal necessarily, but it's also not about rejecting new. It's about keeping tension healthy between the two, kind of staying in the middle to, to bring the best of the past into the present and also challenge your operational assumptions that you know, maybe worked well at one point in your life, but maybe they've they've aged or transitioned or or maybe maybe you never defined it. You just inherited it and you started living with it. And, and there's a better way forward. So I think that that living let's let's continue to challenge our normal with new and, and continue to keep the tension healthy between the two is the big idea of last week. There's something I think really healthy about the idea of building a bridge between the two because it gets, you know, you who are listening, it gets you out of sort of feeling like everything I'm doing right now is bad and I'm a failure and it's I've got to change everything versus going, you know what, where I am now is going to be part of where I'm going to be. I have to just add, I have to build a bridge to the new. But even the fact that you're listening to this show, even the fact that you're thinking about self-improvement shows that you're already starting to build a bridge from normal to new. Wes, there's a visual that you give uh, around guardrails that helps, I think, make this a really more practical uh, pathway, if you will. Um, so t- tell us about how, how we should think about guardrails. Why, why do you bring up that, that phrase or term? Yeah, well, if you've ever driven over an overpass, um, you know, you, you notice that there's two guardrails. And if you also notice, there's like wheel marks and scuffs and yeah. all kinds of stuff. And, and while you don't want to hit the guardrail, you sure are glad they're there, right? If you, if you were made those wheels and stuff, because all of us in life, we, we don't want to stray into areas that are unhealthy or unoptimal uh, for us. And, and a guardrail is designed to do that, to keep you from straying into uh, an unhealthy or unbalanced uh, place. And, and, and in life, I think we can have guardrails that, that really keep us in the middle, that keep us from straying too far normal, like defensive or, or too much new because that can also be equally as detrimental and suboptimal. So guardrails in when it comes to normalize the new, I think are critical in order to maintaining that tension between the two and keeping in the middle where it's healthy. All right. So guardrails are healthy. We're grateful for them. Some people would say, well, that's a constraint. Well, it's actually going to help, right? I'm a huge fan of the Indianapolis 500. I go almost every year and, you know, the, the, the drivers, as much as they hate making contact with the wall, you know, it's usually bad things happen. They're grateful for them because it's a boundary. Without that, they just run into the stands, right? Right. So guardrails are good. Boundaries are, are good. Um, and I've also heard that there's freedom in the boundary because, you know, you, you, there is, you can go faster when there's guardrails, right? Because, you know, there's some, there's some safety 
uh, measures in place. So talk to me about this first kind of deeper idea about being great at your normal. I think some of us are going, wait a minute, I thought normal was bad. So so, so what, why should, tell me about what does that mean? Why do I need to be great at my normal? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the guardrails is, is, as you mentioned, is to be great at your normal. That's, that's one side. And, and while we spent like a bunch of time last, uh, the last podcast beating up why, uh, you don't want to live and defend your normal forever, you, you, you do need normal, right? And in fact, um, one of the things that we've observed in uh, over time is, is it's to really maximize the tension between normal and new. Um, it's imperative that you are first great at your normal. And to be great at your normal, you have to define it. You have to define what is it I believe about life? What is it I believe about this business? What is it I believe about the best way forward in all these critical areas? Because um, if you've never done it, you 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 probably are, you know, we always say, if you don't know what's working when it's working, you're not going to know how to fix it if it's, if it's broke. And, and so I think it's imperative to get in touch with what is it that I, I believe about this business, in my case, you know, the, the financial planning business that is imperative that I do really well. Also, Andy, I think, you know, I've had some conversations about this in the past and Justin, that sometimes we believe something about this business, we've defined it and we realize, yeah, but I'm probably not even great about it. I'm not even doing what I thought is the right way forward. In this. So I think it's just being intentional instead of drifting. It's, it's deciding what is my normal and, and am I great at it? And, and, and to be great at something, I have to know what it is. I have to define it. Okay. Tell me about uh, when you started in the business, um, how this came into play. Yeah. So, so when I came into uh, the business, there were, uh, you know, I came, I came in through the large insurance carrier uh, like door into the financial planning business where they um, typical is they'll hire a bunch of people to go through what's called a fundamental career school. And then they make you minimally competent to be able to communicate some core principles and ideas. And you yeah. hope you can transact enough business to stay in long enough to get smarter and, and last in the business. And the, the stats are not good here. And if, if you've ever uh, <laughs> come in contact with these, it's like, like I think less than, than, than 10% retention over the first uh, two years. So what was interesting about my fundamental career school, there were 11 of us in it. Right. And we had some like really good resumes in there. In fact, if you were if you were like picking who was going to make it and who wasn't, uh, you probably would have bet on me and my friend Chris Fulbright last because the resumes that were in this thing, we had some CPAs. We had a tax attorney. We, we had uh, several with their masters in finance. So it was like really good. Were they not impressed with your electrical background? They, they, they weren't, they, you know, they're like, Hey, you can wire my house when uh, I make a lot of money in the business. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my friend Chris sold lumber. So I was an electrician, he sold lumber. And and so, you know, I I think the reason they brought us in was because they needed somebody to make the top half of the the class possible. So they were like, well, let's get these guys. We gotta, we gotta get our floor. Yeah. You know, and uh, what was fascinating though, is, Two years later, he and I were the only two left. And, and, and as far as I know, I mean, I haven't kept up with everybody. But we're, we're, and we're still, Chris is a really good friend and, and still in the business. Uh, he'll probably make an appearance on the podcast here because uh, he's had a great run. But it wasn't because we were smarter. And it wasn't because we worked harder or, or had better markets. Because, I mean, all these guys were talented. They worked hard and were smart. 
Andy, I believe with all of my heart, it was this one idea of being great at the normal, that, that we took the fundamentals that they taught us that had launched thousands of successful advisory careers and said, we don't know what we don't know, but we know that has worked for a whole bunch of people. And so we're going to do that. And we're going to do that's our normal. And we're going to do that really, really well. We're going to master the fundamentals. Mm, okay. And, and I, I think, um, you know, and Justin he can speak to this as well, having having trained advisors in that in a similar system and, and actually been through that himself. Um, it it isn't always the most talented guys with great markets that end up making it to the other side. It's the guys who just choose to operate with discipline and, and be great at the fundamentals. And even if you don't agree with the way forward, like I, I would tell you, I would start a very different way if I had to do it all over again today. Yeah. yeah. But it, it helped me get the plane in the air, you know, because I, I think our, our <laughs> this business is like taking a, an airplane off of a runway, you know, you, you, and the runway is the length of your bank account. You know, and, and if you don't get the plane in the air before you reach the end, it's a bad deal. Um, so we just mastered the fundamentals enough to be able to get the plane in the air. Um, however, you know, suboptimal it was, it did it did work, and and the other guys didn't. Yeah. Um, so let's let's go in deeper uh, to to how we really process um, and and implement. You know, there's ideas, and that's great, but ideas for that implementation. Uh, they're just sort of dreams and hopes and, you know, unicorns and, you know, whatever. Like they're just, they're, they don't change your life. So let's talk about the process by which we can implement this with the what, why, who, and how. Let's start with what. Yeah. So this is one of those things that every single quarter um, we we consistently bring up in our team planning meetings. And then every week we hit these these kind of core ideas in our meetings to keep it fresh. Okay. What is, uh, we, we think of it this way, what is your bumper sticker win in this business? This isn't a mission statement. It's not a vision statement. Those are all great. But it's, it's what is a singular phrase that captures at a very high level what it is that you do in this business? Um, for us, we inspire people to increase their profitability and quality of life. Um, that's, that's what I was doing when I was sitting at the kitchen table at night, trying in the beginning, trying to help the family figure out how they were going to you know, come with the money to pay for the term insurance we discovered they needed in the event that the primary breadwinner died is because that would increase their profitability and quality of life. It's what we do when we're helping people um, um, make and keep work optional by designing a, a, a standard of care around their liquidity and, and growing their businesses. And it's what we do when we talk about income taxes uh, and, and how to best position money to repurpose it from the IRS to their own retained earnings or in estate planning. When we're talking about how if the breadwinner, if the primary patriarch dies, this large tax won't cause them to have to sell a decades old legacy business to come up with the money to pay it. Mm. Uh, we help increase profitability and quality of life. And, and, and so it's, it's high level and it encompasses a whole lot of stuff, but it's like, what is your, what is your win in this business? What is your bumper sticker win? I think it's critical to understand what, what yours is. So I think the what is, you know, it sounds to me like what is the um, uh, the tangible deliverable, right? And then you get into, I think, some more of the heart of the why. Um, talk about why. Yeah, I think for us, for sure, the what emerged out of the why. The, the why is kind of the, the so what of this. So if you're not out there doing it, what problem really goes unsolved? What opportunity goes unseized? And, and I think um, 
it's what has it, it, the why is what has shaped everything about our approach uh, over time in this in this business because it, it, the way we'd say it if you were in one of our team meetings uh, any on a on a Thursday morning we always talk about what's your win will we help people increase their profitability and quality of life and then why does that matter and the way they would say it quickly and then we can kind of play with this dig into it a little is in our effort to get the most out of life it's easy to live a marginless life or even an unintentional life. And in so doing, miss out on some of the things that matter most in life. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, you know, we all run out of time before we run out of all the ideas and opportunities we could go pursue, all of us. And I think, uh, and, and just by nature, if we're not careful, we try and do as much as we possibly can, but we don't always do it by design, right? We don't always back up and say, all right, why am I actually doing what I'm doing? So in the context of a uh, of a planning relationship, one of the reasons we've designed our practice the way we have is we just feel like there's no better way to help people increase their profitability and quality of life in the areas of planning we tend to occupy than in a in a rhythmic, holistic, fee-based relationship where I don't need to sell a product in order to engage in this. I don't, I don't need, I'm not looking for a specific outcome. Yeah. I just care about being a curator of really powerful ideas on behalf of this client. And to do that, Andy, I got to know the story that you're in. I got to know, I got to know where you are financially, but also the future that you're moving towards that you want to create. What does a rich life look like for you? Yeah. I think a challenge though, for those listening is it's really hard to step out of what you woke up today and you planned on doing and challenge the activity and go, why are you doing that? Because most people just go, well, that, it's my job or, or, or no, but like, really, why are you, why are you running the business the way you're running your business? Or that's the way you run your, that's the way you run businesses yeah. in this business. Or, Hey, why do you work this many hours in a week? Well, because that's how many hours you, why do you work um, on Fridays till seven o'clock? Or why do you, I mean, and, and it's not that the answer is always going to be you're wrong, but right. the idea that, um, the idea that fundamentally most of our decisions are unintentional decisions yes. should be frightening. Yes. Frightening. You know, because when someone when you really dig into why, 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 they're like, oh man, I because that's what my dad did. Like, well, when did your dad work? Uh, I mean, you know, like if if I think about the way I work and the, my activities and and I, you know, if you don't have a really good answer for why, I think that's probably a good indication. You haven't put enough thought into it. Justin, I'd love for you to, to, to speak into this a little bit as well. Yeah, I think you bring up some good points. Even if I'm using the analogy from earlier about the, the guardrails, right? Like having guardrails on a freeway, I mean, by definition, you're moving down a direction, right? Versus what you're talking about when there's no reason behind it or, or no thought or intentionality. It's more like the person that's stuck at the stoplight right in front of you. The light's already turned green. They're kind of oblivious and they're not even moving, right? They're still stuck and doing whatever they were doing, oblivious to what's going on around them or how it impacts people. Not say for me on the, on the background side, we talked about uh, in my military background a little bit in the first episode, um, why it becomes critical and crucial, right? Like when you're, when you hear gunshots, the, to run towards that, like you, you better really know your why and have a good reason. Like sometimes it's just sheer survival, right? But beyond that, like when you're safe and somebody else isn't, right? Like to to go and move and make that that choice, like and it is a choice. 
it's not something that just happens innately or a subconscious decision, right? Like it's a choice to go do that. Um, you have to know the purpose and the reason behind it. And it's got to be something that that you have a conversation about regularly, internally and, and externally with other people. And I think that where I want to challenge you who are listening right now is, you know, when Justin would hear gunshots and he would run towards them, you know, why? And he would go, because that's what I've been trained to do. Even if I don't know what's going on, I need to go find out why there are gunshots. Where most people, I would include myself as one of these, Justin, if I hear gunshots, <laughs> I don't care why. I'm not being, you know, I'm not, I don't care why there's, I'm running the other way. Right. But that's that it's because you've had the conversation about I'm going to be intentional when this happens. This is what I'm going to do. And so because you know your why. Right. You know, you know, your what and your why. Your what meaning I'm a protector. You know, I'm a soldier. Then, you know, I'm going to go find out why that's going on. Uh, Wes, can you speak into this and then kind of transition us into the who as well? Yeah. No, I love that that analogy, Justin. I think that's a perfect analogy. And I, I think there's there's a. Uh, some language we we often come back to in this that that perfectly uh, is in line with what you just said is that the reason we trade what we want ultimately for what we can have immediately is because we oftentimes forget about what we want ultimately and 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 that is the why the why is what we want ultimately and so it means sometimes doing something that's extraordinarily uncomfortable and inconvenient and scary uh because i know what I ultimately am trying to do and why I'm trying to do it. Um, it just, it, it, it removes the clutter. You know, it's, it's, it's the, the old, the old, we tend to pursue things that scream at us, not necessarily the things that are most important. Right. And so if we're not clear about what's the most important, it's like, well, what's that? And what's that? So I think it produces tremendous clarity and in, uh, in, in a world that's otherwise very cluttered and confusing. Cluttered, confusing, and I would also say that that the danger of this is, yes, that you are paying attention to what's screaming the loudest, or you are literally just on automatic pilot where you just don't, I don't know why I work the schedule I work. I don't know why, you know, one of my favorite things to do is ask people where they live and why, and they're like, well, I don't know. The great thing about where I get to live, and I think you guys as well, there's a lot of people that move to where you live, right? Yep. Right? Um, so one of my favorite questions to ask people is where are you from? Where I used to live, I didn't ever ask people that because it wasn't a destination. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where are you from? I'm from here, you know. Uh, but my point being that people are being intentional. They live here because I'm south of Nashville because they want to live here. They they're intentional people. And I actually find that people are more happy around this area because they chose to be here. Right. And so let's carry that to to your work to your life is you will be more satisfied about your choices when you're being intentional about them. They're not happening to you, right? You're making those choices. Uh, Wes, go ahead and transition us into um, to the who part of this. Yeah. So who now, so you've got your what, your why, who, who do you do this for? And, and I think financially speaking, it's just to get real specific in our industry, um, financial health is like physical health. It's not a, a place you arrive at is a condition that you continually pursue. And, and so if you can just envision like a, a pyramid, Andy, where on the bottom, you've got a third and the middle, you've got a third. And then the, the little peak at the top, you've got a third. Uh, the, the, we think about this as where, where is a person at relative to rich when it comes to identifying who? 
And by when I say that, when, you know, years ago I wrote the book called From Busy to Rich, and we kind of have fun with that word that that being rich is the activity of creating more than you consume financially. And, and so if we can like just center on that definition for a second when it comes to who, people are going to fall into one of three conditions. They're going to be surviving at the bottom end of that pyramid. They're going to be stabilizing at the middle and, or they're going to be thriving at the top. And, and the, the difference is where that relative to rich Well, somebody who's surviving, they are consuming as much or more than they create. Somebody who is stable or thriving, they're meeting the definition of rich. They're, cons- they're creating more than they consume. The difference is uh, the people who are stabilizing, they're still dependent on their human capital being engaged in the marketplace for a return in order to continue to be, to be stabilizing. In other words, they don't work. Their income is not bigger than their outgo. Right. And, and I think that the people who are thriving, they've built enough economic value outside of their human capital and arranged it in such a way, whether that's business assets or, or cash or whatever it might be, to where it's capable of paying their expenses, whether they're trading time for money or not. I think here's the deal, though. None of this is a position of permanence. And I can tell you a story after story of people who relocated themselves up and down on that pyramid. Um mm. You know, and I think fundamentally, too, we've talked a little bit about this, the psychology and the help. Like in this business, there was a time where my primary market was people who were surviving. And that's that's who I had influence with. That's who I frankly had the most technical capability to work with at the time. Um, And one of the things we always say about people who are surviving is most of the time, uh, the people who stay stuck there, they, they believe a lie. They believe that that more money is going to make you more. The more money is going to get them through the next financial uh, to stability. And and our observation, while there's certainly a minimal amount people need to make, um, is more money makes you more of what you already are. And if you don't know how to create more than you consume with a little, more actually can take you further out of balance on that on that pyramid. So you've got like lottery winners and some professional athlete stories that would <laughs> that would back that up. Um, so does that make sense on the, on the, like the, the, the surviving side? What? Yeah, what, it's, it's a. I'm, I'm thinking that it's there's a there's a reality or there's a belief that having more of this one specific resource that mean money. It might you know for some people it might be time you know pick pick your resource, but there's a belief that if I get more of that, then I will be transformed. Yeah, and I think that it's 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 not that. I think what you're saying is actually it it will just it, having more of something just shows you more of who you already are. Yeah. It doesn't change you necessarily. Yeah. Um, it just reveals more of, of, uh, of who you already were, you know, it multiplies right. that. Yeah. And I, and I think for, for interesting thing to consider for, for clients that we are working with or, or aspire to work with, I think a good starting point is to say, where are mine fitting right now? Like let's, Let's see the majority of them that I have. I would consider clients. Where are they at on that surviving, stabilizing, thriving? Um, because I think it does a couple things. One is if you know you may want to work with all thriving people, but if you see that you know ninety nine percent of your clients are stabilizing, um, a couple things need to happen. One is you can say, well, what am I doing to be valuable to the people that are in my hand right now? What, what is it the kind of things these folks need to know in order to move to the next level financially? What is it, what is it that, that they need? And you can build structure and language and narratives around that to best help them. The other thing is, is what do I need to become in order to be the kind of advisor or the kind mm-hmm. of organization, the clients I'm ultimately looking for are looking for? 
because uh, when I first started out, I, I did want to work with people who you know were stabilizing and, and thriving. But what was in my hand were people that were surviving. And so I taught them a budget and you know sold them some term insurance to help get them through the time. And, and hopefully they could break through the next level. But I was always learning the next level of stuff. What's valuable to right. that next level? So I think it both informs like where you're at right now. So you can make sure your systems and language are, are good there but also informs what I need to know in order to break through to the next place financially. Yeah. Justin, I want you to speak to this, but I want to say something first, which is I, I believe that you know one of the fundamental truths we're touching here is you can't take people places you haven't been. So as a coach of you know youth for myself, I just think, well, if I'm frustrated, and it was last night we were having a practice and I was frustrated with this drill and, and of their performance, and I recognized it wasn't the nine boys that were doing it wrong it was that i didn't i wasn't leading them correctly right and so it's it's interesting how frustrated we can be with you know for advisors who you know like you and justin you can be frustrated with your clients and you have to ask yourself is is that because i'm not leading them well right is that more about me than it is about them it's an interesting question and a difficult question to ask yourself justin what did you want to uh say about this and then we're gonna actually wrap up with the how yeah i Thank you. Made some great points. I think even referencing time as a resource, this this exercise, if you will, of sitting there and asking yourself, where am I on this kind of like hierarchy here or or pyramid in terms of surviving, stabilizing? It applies to every aspect, right? Like even within relationships, am I consuming more than I'm adding to in value, right? Like, and what's the reasoning behind that? And to where you're talking about being able to to find that common ground as an advisor or as a coach, doesn't matter what. If, if you guys are listening, if, if you are in a position where you're becoming an advisor, you're already an advisor, or maybe you're an entrepreneur and you found this podcast and, and you started listening to it, hopefully you're enjoying it. So, um, But the, the point is, it doesn't matter that you can use different experiences, kind of like hero's journey, right? People, are, Most people are familiar with that, this journey that we all go through in moving in a direction towards a, a, a desired end state or a goal, right? Of figuring out where you are and being able to, to correlate that with somebody else. Whether it's in finances, where you, I'm sure most people have been at some point, or maybe you haven't, but I know for me, like I didn't start out rich, right? Like I started out very poor, came from a, a very uh, different background. I'll, I'll leave it at that for now. We'll jump into that some other time. But it's also in sports. You talked about sports and training professional athletes. I've had amazing athletes that are operating at a professional level that all of a sudden get an injury, something like that, and you're back at the bottom. Right. Like you're starting over in that cycle. And as, as Wes talked about, like you can move up and down, but there again goes back to our point from before is there's some intentionality behind it. Right. A willingness to be able to have an, a, an honest conversation about where am I? Where would I like to be? And what's that gap? And then being able to, to once you get to the point where you're moving forward or as an advisor, being able to come alongside your clients and have those conversations and find a way to make that connection using your own personal experience. Wes, let's go to this last point about how, um, you know, uh, how do we implement, how yeah. do we on a really practical level go from normal to new? This is such a massive topic. And in fact, we've got whole like workshops and teachings around this uh, at com that is built to explore and dissect this. But let me just say it in a high and like a, a high level overview that I think will be meaningful is um it's it's kind of two words. So think of the words organization and structure, organization and structure. Think about a bicycle. All bicycles are organized the same. They have two wheels, they have handlebars, they have sprockets, right. pedals. 
Um, you can have two, two, if you had three wheels, you're not the organization of a bicycle. You're, you're a tricycle, right? It's, it's different. You can have two bicycles that are organized the same, but they're structured differently. So one may have really soft, knobby tires, good for going off-road. The other may have really hard tires that's, uh, that, that are stiff and good for going fast on flat surfaces. Neither one is bad or wrong. One is just built and, and better for a given environment than the other. So when you think about organization and structure, uh, and, and, you're, and you have know your what, why, who, you can then back into, all right, how are we approaching this both in a just process-oriented way and what kind of surround, what, what team members do I need around? If you had my team that I have, uh, that I'm a part of today, if I, if I day one started the practice and had all that, I would tell you the rider, I needed a tricycle. I didn't need a jumbo jet, <laughs> you know, because I couldn't handle it. It would have been a massive waste and, 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 and right. not a good use. Um, but eventually like we, we grow to that and we, and we can, so it's, it's like organization structure. You've got to dissect what is right now in light of my, what, why, who, what is my best, how forward. And, and we've got a lot of teaching on this. Like I said, you can go dissect it and and drill into this, this topic, but you've got to know what yours is. What is my current organization? What is my current structure? And in a lot of where I want to go, that that's going to set up kind of what we talk about next week. What? like what are the things that I need to build in that are mm. not a part of my normal? Like I've defined it and I think I'm really good at it. I'll also tell you, if you have somebody from the outside looking in and Andy, you're, you're really good at this. You, cause you, you've met uh, through, through one of our communities uh, lead advisor network with, I mean, a bunch of advisors and really opened up the layers of what they've got going right. on in their own house. Right. And, and oftentimes it's like, okay, well you say that this is the way you are working and what you believe about it, but you're not really doing it that well. Yeah, you're not, you're not structured. Uh, Wes, I think that a phrase that a lot of people listening would be familiar with is, you know, oh, they restructured the organization, right? So you've got the organization, but you had to restructure it, right? We restructured. And, and what that means is the organization is still intact, yes. but you're going to change some of the structure. And, and, and oftentimes, often, and I think most often, the t- the, when you hear they're restructuring the organization, it's so the organization can survive. The yeah. organization's got to change. And yeah. so they're going to restructure it because, and, and so I think for those listening, right, what do you need to restructure about your organization? That organization being you, right? What do you need to restructure in your life? I'll share a, just a quick personal anecdote. Like my family had been involved in something that in this past summer took up a lot of time. Uh, so the organization, in order for the organization of my family to to be healthy, we we are going to restructure and eliminate that from our next summer's activities and put in something else, right? Okay. Because we want the health of the organization to be better, we're restructuring, right? And that's just my family, right? Uh, you know, the, there's there's different parts of this. This could be your spiritual life, it could be your physical life, it could be your business. So the how of your organization and your structure, that is where you get. That's where the rubber hits the road carrying out your analogy of the bicycle, right? You got it. So, uh, Wes, in our last episode, um, we're going to finish our conversation. We're going to explore how to really challenge our normal and embrace the new. Uh, Folks, we hope you'll join myself, Justin, and Wes for that episode. And I do want to remind you, if you are enjoying the show, uh, it is a tremendous help for us for you to do just a little work to go find it inside of the podcast app uh, on an Apple device and leave a review. 
and this show and all of Wes's other resources can also be found at one place, which is WesYoungLive.com. Folks, thanks for tuning in today, and we look forward to uh, finalizing our conversation on normalizing the new part three on our next episode. <music>